Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Yikes, man. They had it. They had it. They had it. They had it. I know the officiating is going to be a huge topic of conversation today, but there are so many opportunities that the Commander's let go last night as they fall to the Giants 20-12 to in a heartbreaker where, let's admit, the officiating wasn't good, but Logan, there's so much more to talk about. You and I actually haven't talked about this game at all as we record this at 8.30 the morning after. Um, I certainly have thoughts, but I, I want to let you lead this, man. Like, if you try to figure out what, what went wrong, why they lose, what comes <laughs> yeah. immediately to mind? Yeah, so I think, so a couple things, high-level things here. One thing is that I thought that um, Scott kind of took the bye week and said, look what Philly did. Look what Philly did with their guard tackle pull system, the zone read stuff. And he said, this is how we're going to attack this defense. And I just kind of felt like, you know, we've talked about this before in terms of game plan approach and um, and kind of putting in game plan specific runs. You lose a little bit of dexterity with that kind of stuff. You say, okay, we are expecting this look. We're expecting them to do this. And when they don't do that, you don't have the responses. So, like, for example, on the first drive of the game, you know, they run a duo play. And um, and the Giants bring a run pressure. And so the defensive end chins the tight end. It looks like there's nowhere to go. But the back knows how to run it. The O-line knows how to account for it. it. Ends up being a five-yard game. And on these kind of, like, little zone, read, GT kind of things they ran, I think they ran four or five of them in the first quarter, maybe the first half. Um, they just didn't have the responses. So you end up in like a second 10, second 11, second 12 situation. And I thought that really stymied the offense. And I think we talked about this. Like the one thing we wanted to see was the offense mature from a play pass standpoint, right? And then you see that on their first drive coming out of halftime, right? It's a play pass, play pass, play pass, boot, run, play pass, and it's a touchdown or whatever it was. I forget how the drive ended. But to me, that is what you're looking for that the development of that stuff, the development of stuff that you're good at, as opposed to saying, let's adopt what Philly did and try to make it ours. And I understand there's some merit to that. And so there's some value there. But when I look at it, I thought, man, that's really what slowed them down in the first half, kind of got them out of an offensive rhythm. And then in the second half, they kind of became the team that we saw against the giants with the play action pass, the running game. And I just was like, man, like this is, um, that was a little bit of that was a big point of frustration for me and I don't want to say that was the only thing but offensively that's something that really stood out to me early on yeah I during the game last night people or someone tweeted me and was like man Scott Turner sucks can we just say it And I was like no because Scott Turner I think had a really good plan and the players aren't executing it 
And as I was going to bed last night, thinking back on the game with, with the result being final, I went, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to probably back off of that. I, I actually don't agree with my initial assessment because while there were plays there and there were opportunities to be had, and ultimately I think this game comes down to the, to a couple of key things, including the fact yeah. that the giants made every key play and the commanders didn't, um, they exactly what you said. They just got away from them. And yeah. there's, there's a point in this game where like there's, it was 46 plays in, I know, because I checked at that point, um, where Robinson only had 10 carries still. And it's like, for as well as he's going, he averaged yeah. seven, four a carry on the night. With not 12 like a, carries. With not like a big run in there. I think that's the thing. It's like... Right, it's, his long was 19. It's Yeah, it's not like he had a big clip. It's like he earned every single one of those yards. And I, I totally agree, man. I think they just kind of... Like, I look back at the first drive, the first two drives, right? Kind of your first 15, first 25, first scripted plays. And it's a ton of... It's four plays of GT trying to get the ball to Curtis Samuel, which I don't hate. I don't like getting him the ball in that situation with something you haven't repped. And it's all a lot of drop back passing stuff, very limited play action. They've been doing a great job with like this hard play action sell, this downhill duo, this play action off a counter, these runs that they're very, very good at. And they're kind of back to this kind of offset gun token fake. And that's just really not who they've been. And they haven't been successful there. And I felt like Scott kind of said, okay, you know, I don't know if he's trying to subvert ex expectations or he's trying to lean into what Philly did or, or whatever it was. But I just felt like, especially the first half, he it just didn't go the way that he thought it was going to go. And I look at the second half, and I'm like, man, if they had just done this, a version of this the whole time, I think you're in a better spot. I really do. I, I think that, th that that is who this team is. And the thing that got me excited about the second half was like they had added wrinkles off the play pass that we, we had been asking for that, right? And I hate to kind of say like this confirmation bias thing, but the offense looked better in my opinion, right? Because they yeah. know – they know the solutions. They they can protect. That was the other thing. You can protect better in those looks. And for well, that, an that was the thing that killed them. Yeah, I mean, sorry. It's just like the thing that killed them was penalties, and a huge part of the penalties were holding calls and you know things that happen when you haven't rep stuff slash you get put in the toughest situations you can as an O line, and their inability to protect drop back pass I think was the biggest factor in the game. Huge factor, and I also think you know obviously there was that kind of. I don't want to say it was a phantom holding call on Lucas because it actually, if you go back and watch the L22, it's a legitimate holding call, right? So yeah. it takes a Gibson run that goes for 12, and then it puts you back to uh, second and 18 in the next place that Kayvon Thibodeau sack. So, and that's the other thing, you know, let's talk about the officiating real quick because, like, I had a long conversation with my producer uh, last night about it, and he was all in an uproar about the call. So if you watch down to down, if I'm the New York Giants and I lose this game, I say, man, they missed an offensive. They missed they missed a defensive PI on a critical third down that they didn't get called. They missed probably four or five holding calls, right? That didn't get called. And so I think everyone kind of they oh also my gosh. missed the they miscalled the Heineke fumble that might have been a scoop and score. Right, like Washington right. got lucky. And on then that yeah, and so I think people forget that like it's as much as people want to say like there's a bias here, like it's yeah, kind of like the officiating was bad. It's, it's kind of like it, the, the weather, you know, it's bad weather, it's bad officiating and both sides had, had, had calls that were missed or calls that weren't made or whatever it was. And so, you know, like Evan Neal has a holding call. That's kind of really ticky tack that gets him into a, uh, um, a, t a second and 12 situation. You know what I'm saying? Like there's calls like that throughout the game. And so, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, the officials, this, the officials, that like, <laughs> 
that it's part of the game. And I, and I think if you look at the down to down stuff, a, there's penalties everywhere. B, there's opportunities everywhere for this team to win this football game. Yes. And, and ultimately yes. lose the football game. Yeah. I mean, are the calls that everyone's mad about bad calls? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the two point conversion coming off the board is yeah. so heinous because the DB is the one who initiates the contact. Like you can't call oh, offensive pass interference and, and Terry McCauley is, is refereed a couple of Super Bowls is on the NBC broadcast going, he's in a blocking posture. No, he's not. He never, Jahan is, is running. So and, and the what, DB, like, is he trying to set a pick? Yes. yes. But he, but he also is entitled to space and to run a route. And if he's running a route and the DB happens to run into him, is it designed for traffic? Yes. But traffic in itself is not illegal. Right, and and, so, and, and it's, so it's it's just a terrible call. The lack of PI against Curtis on the last play is horrendous. Yeah, that was bad. But you know what? If and and I know everyone's super mad at the ref for for calling uh, or for being like, "Hey, Terry, double checked." Terry's got to line up right. He does. I mean, like because I because there's there's a couple things that he did wrong there. One, he's way off the ball, and you can tell Terry knows. He looks. If you, I'm sure you just watched it, right, Craig? Yeah. So he he looks to the sideline. He knows he's off. He kind of points to the official. He's, he's too far off. So what they tell you is like, sometimes if you point and say, I'm the on player here, they'll let you slide. The thing that Terry does that I think is a little, is, is the main issue here is that as the receiver's in motion, Terry is trying to slowly work his way up to the line of scrimmage, right. which is also a penalty, right? So if you're, if he says, okay, give you the, okay, stop it. Just stop moving right there and live to play another down. Hopefully he won't call it. It's the subsequent movement. I think that the ref's just like, I got to call something here because you're off the ball too far and now you're moving i think the they might have reset afterwards when they had the two on but like it's also because diami's in motion i don't know if the ref knew who was supposed to be on right. he, the ref's like yeah you're good because he probably assumes he's off and brown's gonna come and set on the line like yeah. i actually wanted to check this morning um to see what the post-game commentary was from terry to see be like was he gonna be like actually it was diami or ron go actually diami was supposed to uh be the man who who set you on can the tell line. terry's supposed to be yeah it's, it should be but like because he was so far off and moving like, i was like i guess maybe that's a possibility um yeah. but like clearly he should be on it and like i don't know man you played i didn't how hard is it to look down the the, the referee afterwards was like the the he's got to be on the belt line of the center how hard is it to look down the line of scrimmage and be like oh i'm behind the guy well and i was gonna say like logist like from a from a mechanic standpoint taylor heineke guys just give it a beat because it wasn't like uh terry like walked out there he like jogged to his spot he looked to the official he pointed he realized he was off and then the play is already going it's like let your guys get up, like take a beat. You know what I mean? You want to hurry, yeah. you want to rush, but like, it's also like, is everyone set? Like, and I can check that. I can be like, Hey Terry, like move up a little bit, right? You're off. And I, cause like, you can tell Terry knows he should be on the ball. You can tell. And he just, it's one of those things. Like I've done it. You go to line up and you, you're, you're checking with the official. And then you look back and you're like, Whoa, I'm way farther off than I thought I was. Right. Or I'm, I'm not in, in relation to the football where I thought it was just cause you kind of lose your orientation on the field. So I'm not, that right. happens. Yeah. But I do think there are some other things logistically that could have happened that that prevent that from being a penalty, right? And that's, right. that's not me like trying to be an apologist. That's just like good, sound football process, I think. Right. And the thing is, everyone gets mad about the Curtis PI, but if they get that lined up correctly for any of the in any of the ways, any of the right. fail safes that you mentioned, then that's not an issue. You were going to say something too on the uh, the OPI call on Dotson on the two point conversion. Yeah, so I I think that to me I I, I they they are going to call that play. 
because everyone runs that play. And so they are, you can tell like any, so this is a little behind the scenes. So every year there's a point of emphasis for the officials. And every year at the beginning of the season, they have a meeting and they say, they meet with every team. Official comes to training camp. It's like the first or second day. And they show you a video and they say, these are the points of emphasis. So when they say this is a point of emphasis, like in the media, it is a big deal for the team. And it has been a point of emphasis this year. So when that's in your brain as an official, anything looks like a pick, right? right. Everything looks like a pick. And I think it's, you know, I'm sure Ron's going to be miffed today because basically Philly does this all the time. The reason they get away with it is because they do it from more condensed splits. So it kind of, it looks more natural to the official, I think. But essentially, Jahan right there, right when the guy touches him, he needs to either outside release that or just turn around and ask for the football. Like that, that's because that's how they're going to call it. If you are in a position where you're squared up with a guy, even if he's initiating contact, it's going to be called because like it, it's so ingrained in the official's mind at this point, to, especially in that situation to call those types of plays. Yeah. And that that's my issue with it is the official was looking for it in a way that to me is not fair to the offense. I'm like, look, those plays are hard for defense. And, and I understand trying to give the defense a chance. However, you've got to let a guy run a route and Jahan's, posture like if Jahan reaches out and engages and is like I'm trying to you know engage in a blocking you know movement fine but he doesn't the DB is the one who initiates the contact and by the way it's also you have to account for the fact that DBs can make contact within five yards so if the DB is covering Jahan and makes contact within that five yards like that's not on Jahan to like get out of the way it's like yeah. okay if you want if you want to if you want to pick yourself, go for it, man. I like they've, they've got they've got to correct that in how they're officiating it. I get why it's called. I don't think it's the worst call that's ever been had uh, yeah. in the history of the league. It's not as egregious of a miss as the lack of pi on Samuel, for instance, later. Yeah. Um. But that that is a problem that the NFL has got to figure out, and they've got to get like some offensive and defensive coaches in a room and be like, yeah. all right, guys. Here's he, what tell tell me what you're trying to do here. What do you think is fair? And and the rules committee's got to figure it out. Also, I think the wording of the official post game is really interesting. The blocking posture, because if you watch it, you can tell that Jahan is trying to work for a pick as opposed to just running a route. And, and you know what I'm saying? You can tell by his demeanor. And I think that that is again that that blocking posture rule is so vague that it leaves so much to interpretation because it does look like he's. It does, to me when I'm watching it, you can you can tell anybody can tell he's trying to pick the guy, right? So if he's running that more decisively, if he's running off the ball, working your release, he still gets the benefit of the pick, right? He still gets the benefit of the rub there. But again, the posture is the thing that I think sticks out to the official. It sticks out to me like you can tell like right away when you watch it. Oh, he's trying to get a pick, and I think that's something that again when Philly does it, they do a really good job of running to a spot and then kind of turning around to face the quarterback even though they're blocking on the turn, like they're getting the pick on the turn, right? the posture is different, right? So I think that that's a really interesting kind of point to pick up on. And something I really, I just have to say right now, this is a non-issue if you hang on to the football. Like this is, yeah. all this stuff is a non-issue. Hanging on the football in the red zone, hanging on the football backed up. Like yep. as much as we want to talk about the officiating, there are, and there are so many other things. Those are the big ones. But if you just go down the play-by-play list, you're like, so that's actually what I wanted to do next yeah. is there's a couple of key plays that I wanted to, to talk about. And I'm, I'm going to uh, go to one that may not have even been on your radar, um, but little things, right? Chances to win the game. And then this, this one's a little one. Then we'll get to some bigger ones. 
the play before Terry lines up illegally, mm-hmm. um, Taylor scrambles. Right. Why does Jahan not block Thibodeau there? Or Thibodeau there? Yeah. If he just pushes him out of bounds, Heineke scoots inside the pylon, none of this is an issue. Yeah. So it's like, it's, there's not even like a breakdown here, but it, it's it's the idea that there are little plays to be made that can win you this game all over the place. And not to pick on Jahan, who was obviously phenomenal. They're not remotely in a position to win this game, uh, to be competitive without Jahan Dotson. But there are some rookie moments, if you will, or some some opportunities to make like winning plays and from getting your body posture better so the officials don't call a pick to, buddy, you're out there looking to block someone Big number five's right there. If you just push him out about, if there's a collision there that Heineke can slip inside, Taylor gets inside the pylon and scores, and none of this other stuff matters. And then you get you probably get a chance for redemption on, on the two point conversion. And it's yeah. little things like that where I am gonna harp on that, especially if I'm the coaching staff, but even as as a talk show host, like I'm gonna harp on that stuff more than I am the officiating. It's little plays, and then it's obviously the big plays that we can get into. Yeah, that's something that was definitely on my radar. And again, that's that's a tough matchup, right? That you know, if you're drawing stuff up on a chalkboard, you're not like, I want Jahan blocking Kayvon Thibodeau nope. in space. You don't want that, right? Because Kayvon Thibodeau is what is he? He's you know, he's six five, he's two hundred two hundred and sixty pounds, and Jahan is a slight hundred and eighty pounds. Like he is not a big person. But to your point, if you just go over there and you're a speed bump for half a second, like that's a touchdown probably, right? And so when you look at that, you can tell he kind of like he does a little bit of quick mental math and says, this ain't for me. I'm not about this smoke. Right. And you need a special guy. You need special receivers like Pierre Garçon is that type of guy. Josh Morgan, the guys that I played with are, are that those Terry types of McLaurin guys. is that Terry McLaurin. Right. They're going to and, you know, Terry's not even kind of like he, he makes those same calculations. So, again, not with the same level of frequency, maybe. But you see him, he's like, uh. You know, it's because you get paid to catch the football, ultimately, right? And if you're concussed, if you're hurt because of a block, you don't get paid, right? So I understand that calculation. But in that situation, you'd like him to just kind of say, let me just get my hat across here. Let me get in the way and let this be a touchdown. You, what you need is like when, when a running back reverses field and the quarterback gets in the way. Yeah. That's, that's you all you needed. Yeah. like and, and I think there he's thinking he's getting in the way for a cutback inside. But really, you just need to get in the way and like – let Kayvon Thibodeau run into you. You can fall down. I don't care. But it gives the it gives the, the the quarterback in this situation an opportunity to cut the ball back inside in a way that you pushing him from the side does not allow him to do. So I definitely agree. That that's that that play is like sneaky big. And again, that's that's not an ideal matchup. But if you you know you want to go from good to great, from you know average to playoff caliber football team in, in a game where you made some mistakes, like that's one that could have potentially tipped the tide. Obviously, biggest play of the game, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, strip sack. Uh, and, and really, at the end of the day, like, this game, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like, situational football slash Giants make big plays, commanders don't. But also, the best player on the field last night was Kayvon Thibodeau. And yeah. it wasn't even particularly close. The impact he made down in, down out, and then obviously the monster, as, as Tariko called it on the broadcast, the grand slam, the strip sack, fumble, recovery, touchdown. Um is is incredible and you know we can talk about Allen and Payne and, and how the defense performed in a second because ultimately like because of that strip sack they only give up 13 points right right um and, and that's that's a pretty good performance from the defense but when you talk about making plays they had Kayvon Thibodeau 
And outside of like one big tackle for loss, Washington didn't have anybody that made any huge plays yeah. defensively. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I think that's a little bit, at least to my eye, I think, I think that's a little bit from Ron's game plan. I felt like to this week, <clears throat> and I'd have to go back and chart it because so don't take my word for it here. But that that's what the Wednesday pod's for. Right. I'd have to chart this, but I think the they were in a little bit more cover two quarters shell than they've been, right? On first and second down. And <clears throat> the only reason I can think that is because basically in their mind, the only thing the only way they lost the game the game is if they gave up a big play offensively. And I think that they were like, let's be a little bit more conservative. And it's not like they went totally turtle here, right? I'm talking a difference of maybe 10 to 12% in terms of coverage leaning, right? But I do think that you kind of, when you play that passive structure, you give Daniel Jones an opportunity to to make some plays that aren't necessarily there. And, you know, they didn't give up any big plays, really. I mean, there were there were situationally big plays, like the fourth and nine or whatever. That's but, such a killer. But outside of that, and then the other thing about the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff, he gets... He gets four four tackles for loss unblocked off of zone read action that obviously there was not a high level of comfort with by the offense. So to me, yes, he had he had an excellent game, right? But obviously his statistics are inflated tremendously, I think, by the fact that <clears throat> Scott and the offensive staff made the decision to kind of go with this zone read Philadelphia backfield action a couple times that again, um, this team doesn't major in. And I think that's something that um, plays a huge role in kind of elevating Kayvon Thibodeau in terms of his production. Obviously, as a pass rusher, he did a great job. Leno had a tough day in some of those matchups, but um, I think that, that that needs to be stated, right? Washington did some things that supported his production as opposed to detracted from it. Do you know how many tackles Kayvon Thibodeau had last night? Like 10. He had a whole bunch, I bet. 12, including nine solo tackles. Yeah. That's and, and he made some for a defensive end, and he made some plays like in space. Like he ran down, uh, ran down the screen to Terry. He yeah. ran down Taylor on that uh, boot action. Love that play call, by the way, by Scott on the boot. Yeah. Ran him down, tackle on the goal line on Terry. You know, like he did some stuff that was very, very special, and and showed up. And again, shows you what a top five pick, top seven pick should look like. So, right, and, and it actually had me thinking about like in some ways, it, it almost feels karmic for ron and jack and everyone's like uh we're playing fine without chase and it's like you're playing great but like that's why you drafted that dude number two overall right. is to make plays like that and i'm not saying that chase is necessarily ready to come back i'm i'm not his doctor i'm not his trainer i'm not anything but like just there's a reason why there's the consternation around chase young and it's not that he's a guy who's gonna come in and do everything right all the time but he is the guy that can do that. And they're missing that. Um, John and Duran uh, make big plays, and, and it's kind of part of the formula. Those guys have to make tackles for loss. Those guys have to bat a ball down or two throughout the course of the game. you know. And, and look, James Williams was awesome last night. That yep. dude was everywhere. Um, but can Chase make the superhuman play, the Kayvon Thibodeau play, that can help change a game and score. Um, and, and that's that's kind of what they're hoping. That's why they're holding out hope to get him back. And we'll see, yeah. you know, if you know, Ron said after the game last night, like, oh, yeah, we anticipate him playing this year. Like, we'll see what kind of work he does Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like, we'll see. Um, but it is kind of a, a reminder of what a, what a special player like that can do 
um, when they're healthy, when they're right, and, and why there's so much attention and consternation around Chase Young beyond just the obvious of the draft position. Um, what else from this yeah, game offensively, so, defensively that, that stands out? I think you brought up a good point um, about the protect about uh, the lack of pressure generally. And I think, um, you know, again, we talk about the Giants game plan, you know, and their wrinkles. And we've been talking about it seemingly for a month now. And one of the things that they did a great job of is they didn't do any play action pass. It was all predominantly quick game from the gun, two, three step drops, getting the ball out of their hands. Uh, they did a really, really nice job of that. You know, and I think that, again, you talk about negating this defensive line and teams that have had success doing that. They kind of lean heavily on quick game and it's not even quick game. It's like kind of a pseudo hybrid. It's like a three, it's a two step from the gun. So it plays like a five step drop, but you're getting the ball quicker and you're getting that spot quicker. So again, I, I like that innovation by them. They also did some stuff in the run game in terms of taking advantage of the defensive tackles, um, Payne and Allen from like a wham standpoint. Obviously this is a penetrating defense, um, so they're bringing tight ends back. They're trapping them with guards. And they, they led to probably three or four big runs by Saquon um, late in the game. So uh, they 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 were they came ready to play, you know, on a short week of prep, pretty much. Not a short week, but a normal week of prep as opposed to the bye week prep that this team had. So, um, you know, they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And, um, and as much as we want to say that they kind of, you know, mitigated the effective of, effectiveness of the defense really outside of that one drive that one really long drive i thought the defense and even on that drive it, I, I you know i'm going to do a breakdown on this i think this week we'll see how the plays turn out but um you know like just the chess match between jack and daniel and kafka and all these different guys like was really compelling i thought from like a micro play level you know jack is in cover two invert on this play it leads to uh, incomplete pass right oh then jackson cover two invert they have a cover two invert beater called it's a completion you know and just like the constant kind of chess mass between those two sides and uh obviously we talked about how well coached the giants were as a football team and that really i think showed up in a nice you know that 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 scouting showed up nicely here and i think as much as jack's going to get heated up today i think he did a nice job uh, you know and i think they're they just made some more plays and like that's a frustrating conclusion to come to but ultimately like they made more plays than we did so yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to be super critical of the defense outside of the last drive where, like, if you're the defense that you want to be dominant, top five in the league, you got to bow up. Um, yeah. and, and Saquon just runs it right down your throat. Right at, by the way, the strength of your defense. But at the end of the day, like, they gave up 288 yards. Like, they yeah. gave up less than 300 total yards on 62 plays. Um, they The Giants were 2 of 10 on third down. Uh, they averaged 4.6 yards a play, like yeah, which is not 160 good. passing yards. Like the, the defense was generally speaking fine. Um, but Washington offensively just gets so far away from who they are. They lose the time of possession battle, not by much. It's 30, 30 to 29, 30. So they, they lose it uh, 30 seconds under 500, if you will. Um, and they, I mean, they still put up 387 yards of offense, which is not a bad day. It's not like a, an amazing day, but I don't know, man. They rushed for 159, and and I just think they got away from the formula that works for them. Um, specific to Taylor, how do you think he played as we were constantly in this? Well, if he doesn't play better, maybe they'll go back to Carson Hellscape of a loop. Yeah. Um, I think Taylor on a down-to-down -down basis, 
did some really good things. And I think, um, I think he misses, he misses some stuff, but everyone misses stuff. And that's not just like, uh, that's not missing throws necessarily. That's just missing reads and kind of getting the ball out of your hand, kind of predetermining stuff. That happens. I'd say there's probably how many dropbacks did he have? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, he threw the ball 29 times. I don't know how many dropbacks. Like, so probably like 30, 31 dropbacks if he scrambled a couple times, got sacked a couple times. Yeah. So I'd say five of those probably misses, but again, it's not a bad ratio. I, th- I really just think the the thing that shows up for Taylor is just not taking care of the football, right? Not taking care of the football on the two fumbles. One of those I don't think is his fault. I think the uh, the one with Kayvon Thibodeau is probably not his fault. If I was going to allocate blame, I think that's more of an offensive line thing. The one in the red zone is absolutely his fault. He needs to take care of the football there in that situation. And I think also, like, I think people forget on the play before that, he almost throws a pick. Um, you know, the yeah. snap's a little high. He almost throws an interception. So, Again, I'm not I, like I said. Like he did some things that I was very impressed with. Um, another thing that I found a, a tiny bit irksome to me, anyway, is um, you know, I th- like I said, I think Taylor did. You know, he was Taylor. It was a very Taylor game. He was probably going to grade. I'd give him like out of a hundred, probably like a fifty-five. You know, he did some good stuff, did some bad stuff, um, and did some stuff that changed the complexion of the game, positively and negatively. Very Taylor. Um, the thing that I, I was kind of contemplating was like uh if you're taking a shot on a flea flicker you know like why isn't like why aren't you taking shots to like Jahan or terry you know on the flea flicker they took one they ran that post corner concept uh to Jahan to diami and it's yeah. kind of like you've you've got two guys who are excellent at that and why are we throwing the ball to the third string wide receiver i know he's got he's got a skill set i understand that Right. But, but like to me, Diami is the guy that you try to get one on one on their fourth corner and like, hey man, go go to town. But that's what I'm right. saying. He's like lined like, up as your as your Z receiver in some of that stuff. He's right. your that he's your primary guy. It's not like he's in the slot running a go the way that Miami lines up Tyree Kill sometimes or the way that Green Bay lines up Christian Watson. It's like or the way that they got the two touchdowns against Tennessee. Right. It's like he's the outside receiver running a post and it's like that's you know, like that's yeah. like, it's a Z receiver. Like if I I'm going to have my I, Z receiver do it, I want Terry to do it. Right. I think honestly, like that's, that's the criticism that rises above all else is they were too cute offensively in this game. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's... personnel and like, even, you know, there's, there's the key third and three that everyone lost their mind, including me on um, where they, they give the ball back to Curtis. And it's like, at the time, Robinson's averaging 6.8 a carry. Just run a run play that Brian Robinson runs where he's the running back and, and has been getting you nearly seven yards a carry. Um, that, if they had just done that, they insulate Taylor more. They don't get away some of this other silly stuff that happens. I appreciate the thoughtfulness that Scott put into this. But at the end of the day, I think it's on Ron on some level too to be like, all right, Scott, tell me what you're thinking this week. Mm. Uh Let's let's minor in some of that stuff. I like I like where your head's at, but make sure we don't lose track of us. Hmm. And I think that yeah. you know Scott one Scott Turner is a forty something year old man who's very capable of having that thought on his own. He's been around the game long enough um, and is a very smart offensive mind and should should know better. But it's also on the head coach ultimately. And I'm not trying to like just throw random criticism at Ron, but like I think Ron's been good about that this year. Um, Ron has. Uh, you know, and, and Ron's talked about this and Scott's talked about this of how Scott still is a relatively young play caller. And, you know, one of the things that Ron has to do as a head coach is like coaches, coaches. And, 
the ability to rein Scott in a little bit at times. He'd be like, hey, man, just just do us. And mm. it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you're good, good call. And, like, that, they lost that in this game. And that's, to me, probably the biggest reason why they lost the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think you kind of, you saw flashes of Scott before probably the Minnesota game. You know, it's a guy that, uh, an offense that was still trying to find its identity, got away from what they wanted to be. I mean, you, you articulated that really well. I don't need to rehash any of that, but I, I agree. I think, you know, when you look at what they were doing, it just, it didn't feel like the same team. It felt like, in a, and I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. We'll, we'll say that for another time when me and you were talking, but I, I agree. <laughs> if, if you go back and watch the film and, and whatever you were going to say, you still feel after watching it in full, we can say it on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll go we'll go with that or, yes. or maybe not because i don't know what you said but i'm gonna find out uh, well i'll, I'll tell you after done. this i'll tell you after this well the good thing for me is i don't have to wait much longer because uh that's that's your instant reaction podcast um we will obviously dive much deeper into all of this on wednesday i'll be on the radio if you're listening to this uh, at some point in the middle of the day as we're going to turn this right around i'll be on the radio three o'clock for the hoffman show start with my first and ten ten observations in the first segment right at 3 p.m. We'll be back Wednesday with another edition of Take Command. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now. Full episodes available at youtube.com slash at Odyssey Sports. For Logan, I'm Craig, and we'll see y'all on Wednesday for Take Command. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.